morning or afternoon or evening it really doesn't matter anymore time is even more irrelevant than it used to be i'm so excited to be back with the next episode of you can check out any time you like but you can never leave and oof i definitely need a shorter title because that's a mouthful anyway i know the last episode was titled conclusion which seems pretty self evident but psych i'm back Since I'm still kind of unemployed and sans life direction, I thought this would be a good time to revisit this project and think about everything I missed out on the first time around. Now, instead of specifically thinking about escapism, I'll be thinking about more general topics, still loosely tied to mythologies and fantasies, of course. While escapism is still a very inherent part about the way I think fantasies are constructed, I wanted to move away a little from thinking exactly about escapism. You dig? Basically, escapism will be there, but it won't be the star anymore, unfortunately. Just like most t- Twitter sensations, its five minutes of fame are over. Okay, so moving on from my ill-informed jokes about Twitter, today's episode will be about fan fiction. I know a lot of you are already ready to turn off the episode and run away. But you clicked on this episode knowing it was about fan fiction. I put it in the title. So this one's on you really. Anyway, in terms of mythology, I'm actually thinking about one of the stories I've already narrated, specifically Devdutt Patnaik's version of Ved Vyasa's version of Shakuntala. Just by the way I've described it, I'm sure you can see how the relationship between this story and fan fiction is quite obvious to me. As I've mentioned earlier, most modern fantasies rely on existing tropes from mythologies to lay the foundation for a lot of their world building. J.R.R. Tolkien looks at Norse mythology. C.S. Lewis's books very clearly work in Christian mythology into their architecture. And Rick Riordan, even more obviously than Lewis, relies heavily on existing Greek, Roman and Egyptian mythology for his work. So by that logic, all or most fantasies are just mythological fan fiction. Even mythologies themselves are constantly rewritten and reworked based on who is doing the writing. Shakuntala is most popularly known because of Kalidasa's version of the story, a play which is much more dramatic than Ved Vyasa's version. In it, Shakuntala is cursed by a sage Durvas. As a result, Dushyant forgets her unwillingly this time. And after a lot of drama and a classic moment where something important is found inside a fish, the t- the two reunite and live happily ever after. The story itself isn't really significant though for today's episode. What I'm focusing on is Kalidasa's act of rewriting an existing story. perhaps one of the first acts of fan fiction don't quote me on this i really don't know i i don't know much about anything tbh okay so moving back to modern fan fiction every one of you is lying if you say that you haven't not even once read fan fiction about your favorite stories or characters Fan fiction is what sustains us when authors nope the fuck out and refuse to tell us about some of the most important parts of stories. For those who are uninitiated, fan fiction is when anybody who's not the author of a particular work, whether it's a play, movie, TV show, poem, novel, manga, etc., uses themes or characters from the work to write their own original stories. Fan fiction has pretty much always been looked down upon by serious students and professors of literature because they aren't quote unquote real or original stories. Fan fiction often reimagines tragic stories as happy ones or heterosexual white love stories as ones between gay people of color. These acts of little rebellions somehow don't sit well with those who want everything to be quote unquote serious and original. Except 
Serious literary classics like Paradise Lost and Dante's Divine Comedy are technically fan fiction. Paradise Lost is written based on material from the Bible, while Dante's work is based on the book of Genesis. Genesis? Gen- Genesis. Okay, I'm not sure. I'm not Jewish. What is it that makes these pieces serious works of literature? While works reimagining James and Lily Potter's love story, or Sasuke Uchiha and Sakura Haruno as college students are considered frivolous. More importantly, what is even the value in something that are, that is original anyway? Why is original content immediately pedestalized when something that has reworked could have been just as important, if not more? Roland Barthes, a French literary theorist, has a theory called the death of the author, which basically argues that as soon as an author has written something down, as soon as it has left them, it ceases to be their property anymore. He says, Literature is that neuter, that composite, that oblique, into which every subject escapes. The trap where all identity is lost, beginning with the very identity of the body that writes. An author has no control over the words and what shape they choose to take on as they navigate the world. He concludes his essay by saying, We know that, to give writing its future, it is necessary to overthrow the myth. The birth of the reader must be at the cost of the death of the author. Basically, he is discussing how in popular fields of literary study, the author has always been treated as the most valuable source of knowledge for a text. But what he is arguing for is the reader's interpretation of the text to gain more cognition and relevance in the way we study a work. An author cannot be the most important person to consider when thinking about a piece of written work. It's not theirs to control anymore. Even Barthes has no control over his essay. I've chosen to use it to think about fanfiction. That probably wasn't his intention when writing it. Or it could have been. Who knows? The point is, I literally don't care about his opinion anymore, now that I've interpreted his text as I choose to. I think this theory, where the author must be killed for the reader to thrive, has been proved time and time again by one fandom, which refuses to treat a quote-unquote original, somewhat bigoted, racist and homophobic author's opinion as gospel. Every possible theory concerning the characters has been thought of by dedicated fans, and more importantly, every theory is given its own space in different corners of this fandom. Yup, I'm talking about Harry Potter. The fandom is huge, multicultural, and mostly left-wing, while J.K. Rowling is a white, trans-exclusionary, radical feminist, although I don't know how radical her feminism really is, tbh. Many people who were kids when the books came out and are now in their 20s have been utterly devastated and disappointed by JKR, coming out in support of those who are actively against the trans community. She constantly disparages those who do not ascribe to conventional gender identities and has recently tweeted advocating for people to use the restrictive term woman when referring to people who menstruate. She believes in sex essentialism and has disappointed most, if not all, of her fandom. Even so, So many people grew up with Harry Potter and allowed the book to shape so many of their experiences growing up and understanding how to navigate injustice and corruption in the world. How is this generation of people supposed to reconcile a beloved childhood character with a transphobic, misguided adult? A lot of people have already written about this. A Tumblr user, uh, I'm not sure of the source so I can't credit it at the moment, spoke about how Rowling's work was always about essentialism in some form or the other. She writes Harry's huge and important connection with his family is the importance of blood over all else. And although her book seems to argue against that idea of genetic purity, her actual words seem to suggest otherwise. 
I agree with this user and agree that perhaps we need to rethink what exactly Rowling even meant when she was writing the books in the first place. But here I argue that her intentions are irrelevant and only our perceptions of the work are what matter. Since we've already given her money, there's no point in renouncing Harry and beating ourselves over the head about it. What we can do is think about how we've understood the characters and what messages we want to take away from this book, which as Bart's discusses has no author. That being said, don't give JKR any more money. My answer to how to go about this rethinking is a closer look at fan fiction. Fan fiction allows members of the fandom to imagine characters however they would like to. Fan fiction gives a voice to people to express themselves while still referring to known characters and scenarios. It allows creativity while still referring to something familiar and known. Even now, in today's world, we use stories to keep ourselves afloat. We rewrite history to include those who were forgotten. For example, women's voices during the India and Pakistan partition or black and trans person significance in immigration and queer laws in USA. Fan fiction represents an answer to authority, a way to speak to the marginal, even if it is a very small part of how the marginal chooses to express themselves. For example, it's significant that in most Jilly fan fiction, for those who don't know, Jilly is James and Lily Potter, who will always be my favorite couple. Perhaps because Rowling literally has so little to do with how the fandom imagines them. She told us nothing about them and we're all the better for it. Anyway, back to the point. A lot of Jilly fanfic writers imagine Remus and Sirius as gay or bi and a hella cute couple called Wolfstar. And when these same authors are attempting to reimagine the Harry Potter characters in a modern, non-magical context, they use Remus's werewolfism. which is already clearly a reference to AIDS but done without any nuance or thought into how to introduce it as the starting point to begin a discussion on AIDS queerness disabilities etc even though JKR tokenistically decided Albus Dumbledore was gay she clearly never cared to include the LGBTQ+ community in her work in the first place since Dumbledore came out as gay only after the series was over His sexuality literally had nothing to do with his story or his life and was literally just a bone thrown at audiences. Just as an aside, an author who has repeatedly written about and spoken about the queer and bi POC community is Rick Riordan, whose work might not have begun as that inclusive but has grown to include people of all skin colors, religions and sexualities as fully fleshed out thriving characters. If you're wondering what books your 11-year-old relatives or friends should read, Look no further than Percy Jackson. Once more we return from my aside. So fan fiction authors who love Harry, then head canon, an act of assuming certain things about established characters that much of fandom considers true. They head canon him as bisexual, Ginny as a trans woman, Draco as a misunderstood gay boy, etc etc. Daniel Radcliffe, the actor who plays Harry Potter in the movies, has also spoken out against J.K. Rowling's comments and has encouraged readers and writers to continue headcanoning characters however they want to, saying, "If you believe that a particular character is trans, non-binary, or gender fluid, or that they're gay or bisexual, if you found anything in these stories that resonated with you and helped you at any time in your life, then that is between you and the book that you read, and it's sacred." A lot of people, myself included, are obsessed with the Marauders era and want to know everything about these characters. 
and fan fiction authors have delivered they've written them they've written stories with indian james a black gay remus or a trans serious everything the jkr denied is possible everyone imagines these characters and their stories differently depending on what they think is important to them we want these stories to speak to us even if the author never bothered writing for us in the first place a lot of people lauded jk rowling for quote unquote allowing a black woman to play hermione in the cursed child play which was a disaster all on its own but let's not get into that she said she never specified the characters were white so they could have been black not specifying race does not leave the characters as blank slates that people can write on though it just means that when she was writing the book she assumed white and didn't think it was necessary to point that out because to her the default is white and she has pointed out the races of other characters parvati and padma patel are obviously south asian cho chang is asian possibly chinese but it's unclear because rowling obviously didn't do any research into the culture before randomly naming her characters parvati and padma's brownness or cho chang's asianness do not enter the story at all and are there just for the sake of random diversity and inclusion whiteness then is clearly the default white authors never feel it necessary to point out the whiteness of a character because it seems so obvious to them that these characters who are worth having a story written about them must be white trying to correct it later by saying nonsense like her mini had frizzy hair so she could have been black is just racist and far too little too late it's the same with the abrupt abrupt revelation of dumbledore's sexuality a lot of her work was prejudiced and clearly badly hidden hidden queer baiting fan fiction then for a lot of people it's a way to correct so many of these issues in a world where people's struggles include dealing with caste class racial gender and religion based prejudice on an almost daily level it's not merely enough to call out authors like her but there's a need for active correction for strong marginalized voices to actually take center stage over the dominating cis upper caste white hindu male etc etc narratives that have so often been the mainstream fan fiction allows people to reimagine their favorite stories as something more relatable and more equal harry potter is such a clear example of bart's theory because it displays how the work has transcended the author I saw a tweet by a user named Adrieta Fatima Farha that said Harry Potter doesn't actually have an author nobody knows who wrote the books kind of crazy obviously the poster meant it as a joke but there is some substance to a claim like that the tweet dis- displays exactly what i meant by the death of the author where jkr's intellectual involvement in the book is now unimportant she cannot add any additional value to the existing product as it has already left her pen and her body She cannot claim ownership of the vast lives the books are still living through fan fictions and adaptations. JKR should not be given additional platforms, but the fan fiction that has originated out of her work is important and exists for a reason because it gives a voice to so many who considered themselves voiceless earlier. More importantly perhaps, it allows people to live in a fun world without giving people like JKR more money. contribute to your favorite fan fiction authors patrons why don't you fan fiction has also entered the mainstream time and time again broadway's hamilton 6 natasha pierre and the great comic of 1812 great comet of 1812 and hades town for example can all be considered fan fiction since they're rewrites of historical events or existing literature 
Ovid's Metamorphoses has also been re-looked at and reimagined a bunch of times by a multitude of authors. Pride and Prejudice fanfics about marginalized communities get published all the time, allowing the classic tale to be looked at through the lens of dozens of different communities. So much of literature for so long has been about what the quote-unquote default is. White, heterosexual, cisgendered, male-centric narratives. Of course, now there exists a whole host of literature celebrating minority communities, but classics are still lauded and celebrated. So fanfiction allows people to reimagine classics in a much more inclusive environment. Oh, also, JKR really wasn't that original with Harry Potter anyway. Half of her world building is done by borrowing, read, stealing from established authors such as Tolkien and Pratchett, not to mention heavy doses of Christian mythology. Her work isn't original either, folks. An obvious example of unoriginal work that gained even more notoriety and fame than the originals are Shakespeare's plays. No, I'm not saying he was a plagiarist, God forbid. What I am saying is that most of his plays were based on stories that already existed. All he did was rethink, reimagine, and rewrite these stories for his times. And, completely uncoincidentally, his work is still one of the most popular source materials for people to base their reimaginings on. People still love Shakespeare in all his forms, whether it's in the classic teen movies, Ten Things I Hate About You and She's the Man, or Vishal Bharadwaj's iconic trilogy of Indian Shakespeare movies, where he uses Shakespeare to discuss issues such as caste, religion and Kashmir, which are still relevant to the Indian experience today. Professor Jonathan Gill Harris argues that Bharadwaja's reimaginings are closer to the original source material than a lot of critics believe, since Shakespeare and Bharadwaja were both doing the same thing with their work, creating enduring, appealing art for the masses. So it's clear that this malleability and adaptability of art isn't something new that Archive of Our Own, a popular fanfiction site, discovered one day. Reimagining stories and allowing stories to speak to the times they are being spoken about in will always be a valid, relevant exercise. More importantly, these rewrites show that for something to be enduring, it doesn't need to be stale. Literature should always be a living, breathing, thriving category. Fiction also provides the possibilities of writing our own happy endings. In today's world, when it seems like there aren't any happy endings in reality or even in fiction, which as you know often mirrors reality, fanfiction allows us the space to reimagine the world in our own key. And not to be sentimental, but it's kind of nice to be happy once in a while. And fanfiction lets us create our own happiness and also share this joy with others. More than original stories, it's so much easier for people to see and recognize fanfiction because readers are already familiar with these characters and so they're much more willing to read and be open to a writer's interpretation of these characters and stories rather than a whole new set of people and situations. Readers and writers can bond over their favorite interpretations of characters and actively engage in conversation about why someone did something differently and why it's important for them to view this character in a certain way. Also, fanfiction can be so incredibly comforting in the way it completely allows a reader or writer to step out of their own lived reality and step into someone else's shoes for a minute. Plus, it doesn't hurt if the fiction in question is cute, funny, fluffy stories, you know, those kind. 
Most importantly, fan fiction provides a connect, a way for diversity to be celebrated, and for people to actively express themselves in the ways that they want to. Ideally, that should be the whole point of literature in the first place. But as evidenced by recent events, that's not always the case. That being said, I'm not saying fan fiction is some magical solution to all our problems. It's just one of the things we can do to slowly chip away at a faulty system. But the revolution's still coming, you know. Black lives matter, and so do Dalit lives, Muslim lives, Adivasi lives, and Kashmiri lives. Repeat this before you go to sleep every night. Viva la revolution! Okay, so that concludes today's episode. Join me hopefully next week or maybe the week after that. I'm not really sure what my timeline with these episodes will be. But join me at some point of time in the future, if we have a future. And I'll attempt to stuff an entire orange in my mouth again. Or, you know, something a little more intellectually stimulating. Anyway, thanks for listening and hopefully I'll have something more interesting than fruits for you next episode.